to modern Babylon. This is Culture Contrarian. I uh, wanted to provide an update uh, for those people that listen to my podcasts. And if you have had an opportunity to consume from when I went live on my podcast, you, you will have very broad context of my attempting to be reasonable in the face of unreasonable people. My strive to be informed as a law-abiding citizen that ignorance of the law is not a defense of the law, particularly when I head into the court of law, and that I have been voracious in my consumption study and research to ensure that I am a law-abiding citizen. And earlier on, I, I did a, 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 what would I say, a prophetic broadcast, which I had stated how I hoped things would go, how I hoped things would go. And knowing that it's not possible to reason with unreasonable people on the sidewalk, and that I will attempt as, as hard as I can to say, please stop and do the research before you go and do something that is, whether you're following orders, I hope you have a recorded objection of those orders that you you knew were unlawful and that you recorded yourself. And that when I remind you that if you don't have that record, you're acting in your private person capacity, when I make you abundantly clear that this is a 42 USC 1983 deprivation of rights under color of law, please pause I'm not doing anything wrong, nor will I do anything wrong. And I will submit, I will not resist unlawful people acting against me. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say you're not doing a lawful thing. So I attempted as desperately as I could. I'm getting emotional because it was really hard experience. And I, 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 folks, I'm okay. And the folks that listen to me and that are on the back channels that know what's going on, you, you know the depth of this, and you'll hear it in my voice. So my degree of okay is completely subjective from an outside world, but behind the scenes, it's not okay. But that's none of anybody's freaking business. As I said to the, the woman in prison, I said, you are not a HIPAA-covered entity. There's no obligation for me to share personally protected private health information with a non-HIPAA-covered entity. Stop asking me. I'm not going to answer. I don't consent. I'm not going to answer your questions, and I'm sure as heck not going to sign that piece of paper. Leave me the heck alone. What's your name? You don't need my name. I've been kidnapped. So, folks, I was unlawfully arrested as much as I hoped it didn't come to that. I honestly was prepared for these officers to put those pain compliance devices on me and detain me for 25 minutes while they produced the documents of the crimes that I had been accused of committing, warranting me being asked to leave public property. That's called a criminal trespass warning that is supported by a probable cause affidavit with the sworn affidavit from the reporting party that indicates that I had committed a crime. No such documents exist. My Freedom of Information Act record request verify that no such record exists. These two officers presented me with a piece of paper, which is a, something I got in the mail. Now, that document in the mail could have said, if you're ever to return to this property, I must wear a blue shirt. And since I'm sending it to you via certified mail and you're signing receipt of receiving this via certified mail, I am bound to a contract that every time I step foot, I must wear a blue shirt. 
The person who sent that document has no authority over me. They have no lawful authority over me. And if they're going to assert something that that's alleged to be a crime in that document and that I'm signing that certified receipt, it's not an acknowledgement of a crime. And somebody to say that I possess knowledge that I am now received that document, yes, I acknowledge. I know I received that document. But tribute that I have additional knowledge over that, that that license to be on that property has been revoked, is a lie. That's a flat-out lie. What I do know is that that document has no authority over me and that to be lawfully trespassed from public property, that I have to have a probable cause affidavit that has reasonable, clearly articulable facts that a crime had occurred, a crime was in progress, or a crime was about to occur. If you go to the video record, you will see that I was attempting to stand on my Fourth Amendment right to be free to exercise my First Amendment right as afforded to me under the Constitution, and the person that called it a disturbance was the board president. He was asserting the authority of a policy over a constitutional right to silence my speech. And that he said he was willing to talk to me one-on-one. And I said, I don't need to speak to you one-on-one. I just want to speak before the board. I want to speak before the citizens. I am not lawfully obligated to obey your policy. I follow the Constitution. And during that disturbance that, that he is alleging of me standing on my rights, I placed them under citizen's arrest once And then when the officers entered the room, I placed them under citizen's arrest against and again, and the officers did nothing. They converted my speech into a crime. This is well documented, folks. There's a video record of it as well. So after I attempt to reason with the unlawful officer on the side square, did not do that reasonably because he was an unreasonable officer outside of his authority. I tried to get another officer to stop and correct, but no. That narrative is for the public to hear as well. So I left. I peacefully left. And I requested to provide me the evidence of a lawful criminal trespass warning. Confirmed. Doesn't exist. So, as I attempted on on September 19th, equipped with all of my federal complaints, prepared for service, I went to the school to provide service. Lawful service. And I was, that package, those those documents which are in the video for everybody to see, contain all the appropriate legal documents for how I was prepared to serve that evening. The board went into an executive session. Somebody had reported that I snuck in. I didn't sneak in. I just walked through the door, went up the steps, stood in the hallway and had a conversation with a friend. And that friend said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a different entrance. And I said, that's fine. Meeting's about to start. I'm just going to go in, be quiet, put my papers down. I'll just sit there and I'll, I'll be prepared for the appropriate time and place and manner for me to speak. And that would have been right after the presentation by the school solicitor, Benjamin Pratt, who had said on the public record that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land and that any policies are either governed by Supreme Court precedent, the Constitution, or they're repugnant. Well, enforcement of policy 903, Mr. Solicitor, is unlawful, particularly upon your advice that the policies were okay for the board president to enforce them on the way that he did. That is, that's what Mr. Brian Fox is saying, that Solicitor Benjamin Pratt said that enforcement of policy 903 is totally fine without regards to his constitutional warning. 
color of law warning, and deprivation of rights. So I've sat there quietly. All I wanted to do is to, I shared this out in the hallway. I wanted to proclaim the gospel message to an unrepentant board and saying, listen, I had never wanted to get to this point. I never did. I always had attempted to reason with you. And, and my biblical calling is to respect the authority because the biblical calling of authority is to restrain the evildoers. And I applaud and respect and appreciate the authority and their oath-bearing capacity to restrain the evil of the evildoers. Amen. But what is my calling when the evildoers are sitting up in the dais violating my rights under their own personal authority? I am called to call out lawfully, respectfully, to repentance, those who are acting sinfully against their oath. And I'm saying, I want you to repent. I want to extend you grace, unmerited favor, unwarranted, unmerited favor. Stop doing this. I don't want to take you to federal court. I just want you to acknowledge you made a mistake. And take this, and I can take these documents outside and I can have a bonfire. All I need you to do is give me my three minutes so I can care for the, the citizens of this community because they know not who you are. But two troopers came in. I presented them with a piece of paper, and that piece of paper was prepared for their arrival. Let me see if I can pull it out. Bear with me one second, because I have it here somewhere. I know I have it, but anyway, it's in the public domain anyway. It was saying, listen, I have no ill will, no ill intent. I just merely want to exercise, be free of my Fourth Amendment to exercise my First Amendment to speak before my board at the appropriate time, place, and manner. I don't, consider, I don't consent to being searched. I don't consent to have my speech infringed upon. I don't consent to be falsely imprisoned, detained. I don't consent to any of this stuff. And I presented that document and that officer chose to not be reasonable and not read that document. And, and they made a threat that I would be arrested for criminal trespass. So I took my documents. I put them in the dais. And I respectfully walked outside. And I had a conversation outside. And folks, if you go to YouTube, there are going to be channels that will be sharing that video in the public domain for you to see how I conducted myself in the face of unlawful authority. They were attempting to enforce a document. And it's if you see that interaction and my continued reference to 42 U.S.C. 1893, yeah, I did misspeak in one of the videos. I said 18 U.S.C. and I corrected myself. And yes, there was a moment in my interaction with them where I used a word in describing their behavior and I called them a thug. And I was actually feeling that way in the moment that these guys were being thugs in their capacity, acting outside their color of, acting outside their lawful authority and functioning under color of law. But you know what? I did two things. I apologized. I reached up my arm. I touched Officer Long on the shoulder and I apologized. And I said I was a little amped up. I have authority figures with weapons to cause me harm and potentially death. And I was scared. My hands were shaking. And I said, yeah, you know what? I didn't say this. But what you've got is you've got me in a medical condition of a weakened state already. And this is a physical response that I have based upon the, the numerous medical conditions that afflict this person. Yes, 
The trooper heard a phone call from my wife and heard it loudly. It said, you've got my husband. You need to take care of my husband. I've lost him almost five freaking times. Take care of my husband. You people are freaking monsters. Monsters is nothing short of your Milgram experiment, switch flipping, evil order following people. And I just wanted you to repent. Just wanted you to freaking repent. But no, you needed to show me that, oh, you little slave servant, you little public person, you're a peon. We have the power to aggress upon you and you're going to like it. We're going to throw you into jail. We're going stre- to stretch this out so you know you don't poke your head out and stand up to our authority. Know your place. You proved that, man. You proved it. You proved it and you hurt me. You hurt me. You hurt my family. You hurt my friends. All outside of your oath. Damn it. I'm sorry, but it's the gosh darn truth. So watch the video, people. My give, send, go was meant to be just one platform that I can share with people that would find it in their heart that this is what just one guy, a neuroatypical, neurodivergent that wants to be free. And I just wanted to say, look, people, it's hard. Don't do it. You don't know. Accept your condition in this world. You are going to have to obey, submit, surrender, comply, because they will do to you unrepentantly what they did to me because they have the power and they'll get away with it. They're not going to get away with it now because it's so well documented and I'm going to expose the breadth and depth of corruption, the conspiracy, flat out conspiracy. The conspiracy is even revealed in the probable probable cause affidavit. The, The officer thought he was doing good, but he just connected all the dots of this criminal conspiracy between the board president, the superintendent, all the board members, and the state troopers when I have exhaustively reported, repeatedly notified them, don't do this. But you had to aggress. You know you think you have that qualified immunity and the taxpayer's pocketbook that you can do this and you'll have your union protection and the qualified immunity and that insurance fund. No, sir, you acted in your private capacity. All of you, you were notified. You put on pain compliance devices on me. You would like to call them handcuffs. I'm telling you that they're shackles of slavery. Then you had the audacity to put me in ankle restraints and take my handcuffs and to put them on a strap around my chest. And you took me into the sally port. You're all kind of professional, right? You're you're just doing your job with flowers and sunshine. And yes, you were. You were very kind and courteous and even-tempered with your implements of harm on your belt and authority and legal protections that we aren't afforded. And you're given the latitude to act unreasonably as stated by Graham versus Connor. You can lie to me through Fraser v. Cop, and no citizen is prepared to crest over those hurdles that are protected to you by the Supreme Court until you're notified, until I inform you. And that ride in the car, officer, trooper, that's on the dash cam recording and I repeatedly attempted to make you aware of what your constitutional limits were and you played the verbal judo repeat back. That's coming into the public domain. Not yet. 
but we'll let the people see how the public servants truly treat officials. Don't need to see it right now, folks, because I need that information for when I'm in my, my, uh, my preliminary hearing. And, folks, I'm going into man's justice system. I cannot go in that fight alone. Yeah, I have the knowledge. I have the skills. I have the tools. I have all of the evidence. But the system is not for us. And I need to get the representation to go into the court. I still want my voice to be heard through my attorney. And I'm going to probably have to have a conversation on how I can exercise my voice through my attorney. But this needs to be on the public record. This is a preliminary hearing to determine whether it should be brought before a jury. I believe I have evidence that this would warrant a rapid dismissal because all of the actions were in the conversion of a constitutionally protected right into a criminal act to deprive me of my right to speak and they have unlawfully converted that into a trespass and I didn't receive the lawful documents for a criminal trespass warning. I got a letter in the mail from a person who has no authority. What should have happened, what I do know should have happened, is that Trooper Kachka should have gone to the reporting party and obtained a sworn affidavit of the allegations that I had. What is the qualifications of a disturbance? What criminal act did he do that was attributed to that disturbance? What evidence of a crime that happened in that disturbance what crime was about to happen in that disturbance or what crime was about to occur. And I needed that reporting party to, no, I don't need it. Law enforcement needs that in an affidavit from Dr. Michelle Orner. Where's her affidavit of the crime related to that disturbance to transfer her authority to law enforcement to act on authority to remove me when no evidence of a crime was observed by the police? They didn't observe it. What they observed was me saying to them, I want to place the board under citizen's arrest. That's what they observed. But if they didn't see me commit a crime, they better go to the reporting party and get the crime to ask me to leave. Now, all they were doing was asking me to leave. And I'm saying, what crime did I commit? What crime did I commit? I have the lawful right to be here unless you have evidence that I committed a crime. And if you do, then give me the criminal trespass affidavit and I will never step forward on this property again. That's what I knew. That's what I know. So instead of fabricating what you claim you think I know in the probable cause statement affidavit, how about going to what I do know that is memorialized over and over and over and over and over again on public-facing information date stamped? There was no due diligence in a reasonable officer conducting an investigation to determine what criminal actions took place. None of that happened. So end result, folks, I got arrested. Defiant trespass after warning, all unlawfully, all video recorded by multiple perspectives, and my attempt to exhaustively inform the officers the limits of their authority and inform them that they were stepping outside of the lawful authority and operating under color of law. I asked for them to produce the criminal trespass affidavit, and they said, okay. I said, well, then give it to me. Okay. Well, well present me with it. Okay. I asked for their business cards. They wouldn't give me their business cards. 
I didn't ask for their MOPEC certification, which I absolutely should have to just confirm that these are actually certified law enforcement officers. Unfortunately, my appeal that came back from Pennsylvania State Police says that law Penn State troopers are not MOPEC credentialed officers. And that was absolutely shocking to me that they would say that on public record, that these are not credentialed certified MOPEC certified officers. Holy smokes. So what authority have, do they have that they have cert, they're certified officers? Where's that? Is it CLIA? Is it PLIAC? See, folks, I kind of know what I'm saying. But I didn't ask for it in the moment. That's, that's some, that was a, a misstep on my part to see if they had the certification so I could see their ID. But they didn't present me any ID. I asked for a business card, never got one. So they, I did not get lawfully arrested, folks. What I did is I submitted. I wasn't going limp. I didn't need to go limp. I just turned my back to them. I put my hands behind my back and I said, listen, I will consent to an unlawful arrest. You do what you need to do. And they said, you're going to consent to us arresting you for criminal trespass. And I turned around, faced them, and I said, I am going to submit to an unlawful arrest. And you do what you need to do. And I stood, turned back around, hands behind my back. And then Officer Long, and I will say this, I believe he was hesitant in what he was about to do the next step. I believe there was a moment of hesitation. And I will say to Officer Long, I know that those pain compliance devices, as you put them on me, you did not inflict pain on me. So, sir, I will attribute, I may be falsely attributing it, but I will attribute the manner in which you put me in those shackles of slavery, pain compliance that you called handcuffs. You did it in a manner that wouldn't cause me pain. So I thank you for that. I do thank you for that. That was, that was demonstrating something to me through silence. So I will give you that. But I could be false in that. I could be completely erroneous in that. And as I was getting pushed back to the car, which nobody could hear, I said to Officer Long, I know that an apology means nothing. I really do because I've raised my daughter. I didn't say this, but I've raised my daughter that apologies are meaningless. And I asked his forgiveness for when I said I called him a thug. I said, will you forgive me for saying that? Because I know that was an inappropriate thing to say and my emotions got the better of me. And I, I'm just saying your behavior was not good and it's unlawful, but will you forgive me? And he responded in kind. He said, listen, man, I'm just doing my job. And i like, yeah, that's a Nuremberg statement. That's a Nuremberg code thing. You don't get away with it, but I didn't, I didn't bring that into the conversation because honestly, I don't know how many people have even understood what the Nuremberg trials were about. But then I went into the car and my body camera was still running. My video audio recording device was still running and there was a dash cam and that conversation is behind a closed door and that's for my attorney. And that is for the, the, the magistrate for the preliminary hearing. And when that is resolved through a dismissal, I'll put it in public domain. But that for, for the benefit of myself, the officers, and for my legal case, I won't mention from what happened from the moment I was into the car to the moment that I gained my freedom the next day. I will state that I understand <clears throat> that the actions by the troopers were calculated 
premeditated, strategic, to maximize the harm and inconvenience to me based upon the way they manage the clock. I also will acknowledge that there's no way that I could prove any of that because they could hide behind the timelines based upon procedure and filling out paperwork and I will say, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you you could hide behind the clock and you could hide through rationalization to slow roll the process, to maximize the pain against me. And you can hide behind that. And you know what, officers? When I realized that, and it didn't take long for me to to connect that because as soon as I was in that holding cell, where the pain compliances were, were applied again with the intention of causing harm, and the entire journey in there was done without my consent, I didn't consent to anything that happened in there, and I did not surrender personal information in there. I have My rights are still secure. I can hold on to my rights. They forced me to do things against my will, but I didn't consent to any of it. I didn't resist their violence. Oh, I do- totally didn't resist. I just would did not, did not assist. I, I told the one guy, I'm not going to assist on you violating my rights. I'm not going to do it. But that's, that hopefully was caught on audio recordings inside the station house. Oh, I said I wouldn't be talking about that. But anyway, they, um, they did what they did. And they managed the clock to cause me pain. Can't prove it. But I realized it. And honestly, when I, was, when I got into my second transport vehicle with all the restraints necessary, absent of a spit mask, they wanted me to know my place. They, they, they did. And I had a wonderful ride on the record with those two officers because that'll be in dash cam and that will be hopefully subpoenaed as well. But I didn't consent all the way through. But when I was finally at booking or holding, I guess they call it, Yeah, it's, it's like kind of flashback. Sorry about that. When I was in holding, I realized that they totally cut me off from the world. I'm being thrown in the dungeon. I'm in the dungeon, folks. I'm not in a holding cell. They're throwing me into a dungeon, which is meant to be a smelly, disgusting, with chemicals used that could affect my health, which they did that I was not going to be out until 7 o'clock that next night. Why did I think 7 o'clock? Because I thought that I would be the last person to be brought before the magistrate for my arraignment. They would, they would stack the deck to put me at the bottom of the list to get the last arraignment. And that they would, after the arraignment... They would slow roll the paperwork again. Then they would bring me back out to sign the paperwork. And then I would be afforded my phone call at like 6 o'clock. So meaning the last arraignment's at 4. Let's assume two hours more worth of paperwork. I sign the paperwork at 6. And I make my phone call. And it would take an hour for someone to come and get me. So I wouldn't be out until 7. So that's what I thought they would do. I expected that. Expect they're going to just take it all the way through. Now, it just so happened that the judge saw me a little bit earlier and I got out around 2.33. And then the medical issues start happening. And now I'm documenting what's happening after. I was released on 9.20 at around 2 o'clock. Interesting enough, I'm celebrating a birthday in a 
very shortly. And fortunately for me, my birthday is going to be a reconnection with my family, my wife, my daughter, who these people just totally had no regard, no regard for my wife, no regard for my daughter. You're just wonderful human beings. You are wretched that you are. And as I'm sharing this story and sharing videos with my father and my mother, and I said, you know my heart, you know my character, and you know what's most critically important to me is my wife, my daughter, my wife and my daughter, and you took them away. You took them away. And they don't, they know their dad. They know their dad, that their dad is not a person that's going to break the law, but he, he loves his freedom. And he is willing to stand up to the line to the tyrannical. He's not the guy going to be running through the streets. The redcoats are coming. The redcoats are coming. And I'm not the guy throwing the tea in the harbor. I'm not that guy. I'm just saying, stop. Stop being an evildoer. Look in your heart. I said something in the car that I will bring into public. And I said to the officer, I said, listen, I believe the things that I am saying to you are piercing your conscience and hitting your heart that you know you shouldn't be doing this and I know you feel that you can't offer a comment so you're just going to respond to me with like this little, I didn't hear what you say, can you repeat that? What? Can you repeat that again? Can you repeat that again? I know that's the, that's the cycle that you're in but in your heart, I know that if you were a true man that we could get together after hours and we can share an adult beverage and it would be wonderful that you could learn from some of the things that I have to say relative to you being a good human in the role of your, of your sworn duties. I think that we could be friends if you would be open to listening to some of the things which I have to say about the limits of your authority. But your actions demonstrated to me that on that Milgram switch flip board that you're willing to go all the way to the end and flip that death-killing switch when there's no response that you've heard for the five switches before and you're following the orders of the guy before you and you're just going to flip the switch. Nuremberg, obey, kill the human. Kill the human. And I wanted to say, I don't think that's who you really are. But right now, the evidence is showing me that is who you are. Prove me wrong. You couldn't. So, my give, send, go has never been a scam It's never been a plea for money. It's meant to be a Christian outlet for me to profess Christ and say, I bend my neck to only Christ, my king. Bend my neck to only Christ. He is my savior. And I don't need to bend before evil men. I don't need to bend before you evil men. And I pray that the judge hears the truth in this and everything that's before it, that there is no king but Christ. And I wanted to proclaim the gospel before those evil school board people and say, stop, I have the ability to extend you grace. (laughs) Unmerited favor. So I don't ask for your money. Take your money and please save those darn children that are being put on the altar of Molech. These innocent babies. How can we be a society that contones the termination of innocent babies? And send your money to my friend who's got the Pregnancy Resource Center. Send it to her. But if you feel in your heart that you want to help me, help me fight for the fight that you're not willing to do on your own and take care of my family, I ask for something. 
buy me a freaking cup of coffee and say, dude, you're a warrior. And you're doing a new God-honoring light. And I pray that one of my pastor oversight can join me at the preliminary hearing and just sit in the back and pray over me as I enter into this cabal that my attorney is covered by the Holy Spirit and that he sees through the truth and righteousness and everything that I have attempted to reason with the unreasonable, unlawful evildoers and that this comes to light and that God honors it. I'm sorry, folks, this is really hard for me. (laughs) What you learn from anything that I say is don't do what I did. Don't do what I do. You know not the evil that is around us. This is not God's kingdom on this planet. It is infected with the demonic realm. The spiritual battle is before us. I am equipped with the armor of God. I ingest God's word. I trust and lean upon not my own understanding, but upon the word of God. Unapologetically, you can throw whatever ad hominem descriptor Christian nationalist baloney that you want, like you tried to destroy Pastor Wilson out of Moscow, Idaho. He's a proud brother. I would stand behind him and beside him in any moment. Same with my brother, Jeff Durbin. These are warriors. I love them and they love me. So I don't, I'm not offering a plea. I'm not looking for money. I'm willing to dig into the coffers to put ourselves financially behind again because we are committed. My wife is behind me. She's angry that I didn't walk away. My daughter's angry that I didn't walk away, but they know their dad. My, my daughter said to my, my wife, what's dad going to do when he's in there and he can't listen to his podcasts? He can't listen to his daily ingestion of Dr. Pastor James White the Daily Audio Bible, to the White Horse Inn, (laughs) to blog, may blog. Love you, Pastor Wilson. Love you as a man and a brother in Christ. My daily ingestion of God's word is a study. It's a devotion. Because my only ability to measure the depth of evil and depravity in this world is with the foundation of understanding the righteousness of God. And the other attribute of God, which people don't like, is the wrath and judgment of God. And I am fearful and trembling of God's wrath. But the way my fear and trembling is silenced and calmed is because I've received the, I've received, I took the gift I opened it and I wear it is the righteousness of Christ. And then when God looks down at me, I know he sees the filthy, wretched worm that I am. I know I'm filthy, wretched, and wicked. I know it because I know my mind and I restrain my mind in actions all the time. I restrain that evil that's inside of me. We all possess the evil to manifest it to the degree in which Adolf Hitler did. What separates us is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to restrain that evil. And God restrains it. I don't act evil. 
in comparison to the God, the God, the man walking on the street, I don't even associate with you. I don't look with lust. I turn my eye when I see a woman that is dressed in a provocative way because I don't want my mind to look and objectify that woman I know. Turn, turn, don't look. And I don't. Because I know looking at that other woman in in a provocative manner is devaluing the covenantal relationship that I have with my spouse and the, the level of honor and respect that I have for my daughter. I don't want my mind to travel there, so I turn from it. My life walk is filled with this neurodivergent brain that I am doing that daily. But you don't need to know what's going on inside my head about what that path could look like when I look at that woman. All you men looking at porn on some incognito window or however you're trying to hide your view from your wife and what you do in the darkness. That's not me. I am not you. I am not here for bread and circuses. I'm here to live my life out in honor of Christ. And as a beneficiary of living in a country with this constitutional freedom, which has codified the Bill of Rights, which are unalienable rights bestowed by our Creator upon all of us, I embrace them in honor of my Creator. Thank you, God. I know that my plan is set before me and God is sovereign. And I just need to fulfill my way according to his will and his purpose for his design. So, for the general audience of the world, my message is detestable. I understand that. It's pearls before swine. But for those people that know the God of the Bible, that can define the attributes of the God of the Bible, I'm his child. My daughter's name is a gift from God because I am in such honor and appreciation and recognition of the gift that he gave me and my daughter. And we named her because it is a gift that I must cherish. And my bride is a gift that I cherish. And I cherish the rest of humanity when they act in a way where they warrant my love. The degree of my love is conditional upon how you treat me. And when you treat me the way you did, officers, public servants, I just bring you before man's justice. I'll let them make the determination. I'll dust off my sandals and I'll move along. So I apologize. This was kind of raw for me. But as I always say, put this in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. This is love in the most direct way I can bring it from modern Babylon, culture contrary.